Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. Uh, it's just me. I'm David. Um, if you've been listening to other podcasts or follow me on Twitter, um, or, or if you follow Tyler on Facebook or his Twitter, you probably know why it's just me. Um, Tyler uh, is very much under the weather uh, is a, a polite way of saying it. He's he's uh, in the middle of some very, very scary and very serious medical issues. And, and he probably won't be back on the show for a while. Um, if you want to know more and specifically if you want to help because, you know, insurance being what it is and medical costs being what they are, um, Tyler and his family are looking at uh, a lot of bills that are only getting bigger as, as this thing uh, goes on. So if you want to know what's going on and if you want to help, you can do all of that um, at caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. Uh, that'll give you the information on what's going on and also has the GoFundMe link. Um, that's where if you want to if you want to donate to Tyler and his family, you could do that at, uh, through the GoFundMe link so again that's caringbridge.org slash visit slash tyler and jennifer smith so that's um uh that's how episodes are going to start for um the foreseeable future uh, just so you know um and uh i i really hope that you can help and obviously i would hope that you are keeping tyler in your thoughts if this show has meant anything to you um it would mean a lot to us um if if you uh, uh if you think good good thoughts and, and and send some good hopes our our way and 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 pray if that's that's your thing and you know you know what tyler's thing um uh, and i know his family would very much appreciate that um okay let we, we, we like I said, shows are going to start like that for the foreseeable future but I am going to talk about some movies it's, it's been a while since I've done a movie journal but um a lot of the time in between then has been um, me watching movies as research for our upcoming profile episode uh which scott is going to join me for um and then i went to tiff i went to, to the toronto international film festival for the first time since 2019 it was a blast to be back and so i'll be talking about obviously those things on the next couple episodes um in reverse order so uh there actually isn't as much as you'd think given how long it's been but i'm gonna start off with a doozy just let me take this drink of water here i have to prepare myself no i'm not even gonna spend much time in this movie but it's just really bad uh i have um i was interested in the uh the direction of miguel arteta's career he started off as this sort of indie darling made things like star maps and chuck and buck and then went on to like you know uh, uh, more uh, big ticket indie stuff like the the Good Girl with Jennifer Aniston, um, and then yeah, the last thing of his I'd seen was uh, oh shit, what was it? Like a Boss, um, which is a very bad studio comedy. So I decided to watch the movie he made after that, which turns out to be a very bad family Netflix comedy. I was looking for like, is he going to bring some sort of sensibility, something that defines him? Uh, no, it's it's called Yesterday. And uh, it stars Jennifer Jennifer Garner and Edgar Ramirez um, and Jenna Ortega uh, is the oldest daughter. But it's just a family, you know, two uh, controlling, strict controlling parents. Or no, 
that's, that's actually part of the thing that was so weird about uh, a movie from the guy that made you know uh, uh, things like Star Maps and Chuck and Buck which by some uh, measure were kind of provocative at the time Yesterday is so regressive like Jennifer Garner is the mom who's like she always has to be the bad guy and Edgar Ramirez is the dad who lets everybody get away with everything and like the gender roles are are um not subverted it's just they're reinforced and it felt very very old but it's a so she's a strict mom and she decides her her, like her kids hate her for being so strict so she decides to give them a yes day where she and her husband have to say yes to everything they want to do all day and there's hijinks and capers and um uh it's really really bad um so let's what do you say we move on from that what do you say we don't just talk about a really really bad movie what if we talk about a uh, a, a decent movie <laughs> uh, called Spin Me Round, which is um, directed by Jeff Baina, who um, I, I, I've only ever seen The Little Hours, uh, but he, he did like Horse Girl and a lot of stuff with with Alison Brie, and, and Spin Me Round is no exception. Uh, Alison Brie uh, plays a... Uh, uh, I can't remember if it's Stockton or Bakersfield or some sort of like mid uh, California city, mid mid and more uh, <laughs> uh, meanings of the word than just one uh, uh, manager of an Olive Garden type of chain. Uh, I can't remember what it was called now. It's called Tuscan uh, Tuscan Grove is is what it's called. Um, and she, as a manager of this place, gets selected by the company to go to italy for a week or two weeks i can't remember exactly for like a training and and uh food testing and tourism thing and uh gets into some uh shenanigans with the uh uh owner of the franchise of the of the the ceo of the company and founder uh played by alessandro nivola uh and it's if you know jeff baina's stuff i say stuff i've only seen little hours but the impression that i've gotten of 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 his stuff is that he's um a comedy guy in many ways he doesn't make straightforward comedies um spinning around is is um weirder than that as is the little hours but uh still he foregrounds comedy uh and also shoots for comedy um it's shot by i think the movie shot by sean mcleary uh is that right um uh why did i say that without like i could just be making stuff up um yeah it is sean mcleary hey look at me uh who's done a lot of great stuff and this movie isn't bad looking but it's clearly just very high key like frame to get the actors the comedians doing the shot uh, or doing doing their 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 jokes um and and their bits and the cast is amazing if you like comedy it's Alison Brie, Aubrey Plaza, Molly Shannon, Tim Heidecker, uh Zach Woods, Ben Sinclair, Fred Armisen, Lil Ro Howery, uh Igor Nuodem, Lauren Weedman. It's just um it's it's crazy. And then Trisha Helfer shows up, not that she's a comedian, but uh, uh I liked her from Battlestar <laughs> Galactica. Um and so it's the the movie is it's not just it's not like a madman madman world where it's like just a series or an excuse to a a a clothesline to hang a bunch of bits on it has a a story and a and a a journey and it has something to 
say i think about um <laughs> i guess you could if you wanted to be um pedantic and superficial you could call this like a me too movie but i think it it's um more nuanced than just that um i think it's a movie about that it's like partially the like look at how crazy and weird rich people are that's alessandra lola's characters the fabulously wealthy uh head of this this corporation um but it also is like well let's maybe like it, it gives a window into without excusing it like why someone who's in this position might not realize that their predatory behavior or harassing behavior is wrong um and again not letting him off the hook at all um not to spoil the end of the movie it's not letting him off the hook but um it it does seem to have some actual interest in what happens when um the people from different classes share the the same space um not just different classes but when one of them is like the absolute one percent um and how weird that is how how different their lives are from most of ours uh and um uh yeah there's plenty of of, of funny stuff as as well uh so yeah, I, I I liked spin me around in the same way that I liked the little, little the little hours. It's not like virtuoso cinema, but both movies managed to surprise me a little bit. Um, next up is a documentary called Three Minutes a Lengthening, directed by Bianca Steider. Um, and this movie is um beautiful fantastic and thought-provoking um and it's one of those movies that is a one of those documentaries that is about the thing it's about but also to you know esoteric snobs esoteric snobs like me it's also a movie that you could say is like about cinema or about the power of the recorded image and, and stuff like that it's a uh, the the premise is that at some point a man found his grandfather's footage from a european vacation he had taken in the late 1930s 1938 and there's three minutes of footage from this small polish town and um so he he does all he does some like investigative work to try and find out exactly when this was taken and where this town is and and see if there are any survivors of who are actually in the footage there is at least one um yeah or, or find the families of people who are capturing the footage and, and try and uh piece together what this what this was uh what this captured and also uh, but also from the point of view of this is a mostly jewish town in 1938 a huge number of the people who lived in this town and the people who are recorded on this film um didn't survive the Holocaust uh, and the town itself was essentially destroyed. So it has that sort of like very devastating dramatic irony uh, to it. But um, one thing that's so fascinating about the, the main thing to me that is so fascinating about the movie from a cinephile perspective is that all of these things I've described, the only thing, every image that we see in the entirety of the movie is taken from these three minutes of footage 
we see the movie starts with the three minutes unbroken just uncommented on just silent except for they add in like a sound of like a camera running or a projector running whatever it's supposed to be um and and so we just watch the three minutes and then we figure out what it is but and then we find meet different people and there's maybe some like things that are abstracted or zoomed in on or, or, or whatever but the entire movie consists of just the same three minute minutes of footage um and it's um it's a fascinating testament to the lasting power of a cinema of, of a film image but also the versatility of an image the fact that we can get so much from from relatively little um you know you think about most documentaries shoot you know hours and hours and hours and days of footage to come up with a a 90 to two hour minute movie and this one is made entirely from three minutes it's a uh, uh, really fascinating and powerful but also very sad and and beautiful at at the same time um that's a perfect transition <laughs> into baltazar cormacor's beast the uh idris elba charlotte copley uh psychotic lion <laughs> Uh, creature feature i guess um where where they uh idris elba and his family and, and charlotte copley is the friend slash guide get uh stranded in a broken down jeep and are being uh stalked hunted menaced by a particularly vicious lion who seems to have a specific vendetta against human beings and is on like a revenge mission so it's kind of like it has those later jaws movies thing where it's like this <laughs> this shark is avenging the death of its relative or whatever but the movie knows that that's silly and it also like goes so far in the other direction of like trying to make the point that most lions lions aren't actually like this this is aberrant 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 behavior um uh in in sticking up for advocating for the majesty the, the majesty of 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 lions it so doesn't want you to hate lions just this one fictional super lion super villain <laughs> um, but uh yeah I, I i i talked on the on the fall movie preview about um or i guess this might have been the summer movie preview wasn't it yeah the summer movie preview talked about about this movie and how um i like i tend to like baltazar Comerker's um hollywood movies his sort of like you know uh, mid-budget they're usually like they're often august releases like like two guns or whatever um and he's just a a solid filmmaker and here he gets to flex his action muscles which he's done before but also his horror muscles which is kind of somewhat new uh to his filmography there's a lot of like uh tense dark scenes where the camera is sort of like closely following a person as they're walking through the the brush or the whatever they are um uh and you're like like almost begging the camera to look left to right or behind to see if there's a lion there but like uh it's, it's very tense and and it's all it's a lot of fun um speaking of creature this was not an intentional back to back it also wasn't back to back because i'm skipping a couple things that were done for watched for uh research purposes for the uh, upcoming profile but uh the classic um uh, uh nature vilifying um 
creature feature i watched steven spielberg's jaws but in this case i watched it in not only in a theater but in 3d it's been um 3dified by uh the real d folks and and so i went to an advanced screening of that and um yeah i'm amazing it's it's an amazing movie and i thought the 3d might be might might cheapen it but uh it's incredibly well done and there are obviously the movie was not shot with 3d in mind but there are um multiple shots that look absolutely beautiful uh and and shocking in in 3d uh, especially once they get on board the boat in the second half of the movie uh if you think about uh quint sort of just standing at the end of that sort of like uh, harpoon turret thing um and the camera is at the other end and he's just standing there and the camera is moving with the boat so it looks like he's not moving so much as the horizon line is uh is is shifting uh behind him it's um uh that looked beautiful in 3d also quint way up in the crow's nest or whatever you want to call it at the top of the ship looking down at hooper playing solitaire on the deck um <clears throat> that's uh uh the, those kind of like you know foreground background uh shots with not a lot in between um really work well in 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 3d but the movie itself is also just it's jealous it's it's so great it's so great hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, um, let's move on to Francois Ozon's uh, Peter von Kant, which is not technically a remake of The Bitter Tears of Peter von Kant, the uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder movie, but in a a new adaptation of Fassbender's play, The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, from which Fassbender made his movie. This is not, this is important to no one but me, but I like to make that uh, uh, distinction. Um, the only difference is that it's Peter, not Petra. It's a man, not a, not a woman. Um, but it still has that, uh, and it's a film director instead of a fashion designer, but um, uh, it still has the same general plot and and, and script it's um uh uh, takes place entirely in his apartment um and uh in this case the lead is played by Denis Minochet who's an actor that I really like um and he's fantastic here it's a um a lot of I feel like a lot of Minochet's performances it would be wrong to say they're not physical because they depend on his like large imposing physicality but often he plays very still characters where where it's uh, uh about you know potential energy um you know if you think of him at the, as the farmer at the beginning of inglorious bastards or the um other prison guard who's not Leia Sidhu in the french dispatch uh but here he is dancing around when he's happy he is raging when he's angry which is often 
those things are often not very far from one another. Um, he is a uh, an, an unredeemable, irredeemable narcissist. But because the movie's from his point of view, and because Menashe is so good, you also kind of feel for him. You feel how much people keep letting him down. If even though letting him down just means not giving him one hundred percent of their adoration all the time, but you feel how hurt he is and how how sensitive uh, and how pitiable um he can be at the same time it's um and the you know francois is on um is a terrific filmmaker uh the the movie is um uh, especially in terms of mise-en-scene uh the apartment is beautiful and lush and like just this side of tacky but not um it's uh it's a really fun movie to to sit with and it's also not very long at all it is all of 84 minutes which is quite a contrast then to the next movie i saw which is also a very fun bright and colorful movie uh, except it's two hours and 40 minutes i saw Baz Luhrmann's elvis and um yeah i mean i had to i i very quickly surrendered myself to the myth making of the movie um i'm not um ignorant of the way that it sidesteps concern a lot of concerns about um appropriation racism um when it comes to to elvis presley um although it actually i, I say sidesteps but in some places it, it goes out of its way to try and acknowledge like that these songs that he, he would he was doing songs that um he had first heard black musicians do um uh which i guess i think through our modern lens of more a tourist singer songwriter type of uh um and, and proprietorship of, of of music we think of it as stealing songs but like in the country music tradition like doing songs that other people did first is um especially at this time is uh wouldn't have been seen that way so it's uh, but it's still the the movie um does go out of its way to to acknowledge that but um these are all the social politics of of the movie or or at least that i bring and then many viewers i bring to the movie the movie itself is it's another Baz Luhrmann movie it's um big and bright and very fast and and the camera whooshes and whip pans and there are um uh, uh weird like graphic transitions uh in in the movie and, and zooms in and, and it's it's uh it's a delight to to watch i mean some people might find it too much but i generally like Baz Luhrmann's movies and, and this one's no exception um austin butler's uh really actually very great as as elvis presley but um the uh maybe arguably the main character of the movie or at least the uh movie that the 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 character we spend the most time with is not elvis but tom parker played by tom hanks uh and he's great he's doing his sort of like um early sections of uh of or or the chronologically early sections of cloud atlas thing of the like over the top villain guy um and uh uh yeah i I loved it okay so let's move on 
to the new Neil LeBute, not out of the blue. I haven't seen out of the blue, but the one after that, the even newer Neil LeBute, Neil LeBute movie, House of Darkness. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is another one where I am not blind to the problems that people have with Neil LeBute and and some of his uh, gender politics, which walk that line of being like, is he lambasting? misogyny or is he being misogynist <laughs> like and I'm, I'm not again i'm not blind to that but house of darkness uh is uh very a very enchanting <laughs> movie in a, in a in a sinister uh way and I, a lot of that is down to kate bosworth a terrific actress that i i feel like i we don't see in enough things if i'm if i'm being honest um the I won't say the whole plot of the movie, obviously, that would be giving things away, but the the basic premise is that um, Kate Bosworth and Justin Long uh, play two characters who we've quickly gathered have met at a bar and are coming back. They've, they've just met, and she's invited him back to her place for you know a drink and to keep the conversation going. And that's just what they do. They have drinks and they talk. Um, and... Uh, Justin Long plays a a pretty like basic single business type bro who doesn't think of himself as a bad guy and maybe most people wouldn't think of him as as a bad guy but Kate Bosworth's character somewhat playfully but with some intentionality keeps picking things that he says apart or or leaving little conversational traps and landmines for for him um so that, that's uh, all of that is obviously a very if you know neil abute that's a very neil abute type of uh premise for a movie but then it's also like a horror movie where maybe there's a ghost in the in this house or maybe kate bosworth is a ghost and what's that weird pile of shoes in the basement or like it's it's uh there's there's some hints of horror at it that become more prominent as the movie goes on that's all i'll say about where the movie goes but uh if you like neil labute it feels kind of like early neil labute but like like in the company of men if there were monsters and stuff in it <laughs> um uh so yeah i i uh, uh i found it very um uh alluring um and i definitely hold on one second i definitely think it it's it's this is gonna sound uh, talk about minefields <clears throat> because i didn't like Emerald Fennel's Promising Young Woman very much. This treads a lot of the same territory, but kind of in a, in a way, like, it gets it out of the way up front. Like, we clearly, like, okay, we know what this is, and so it doesn't spend the whole movie um, making points the way that Promising Young Woman young woman did and i i understand how it feels that how this sounds that i'm me the man is saying oh i like this movie by a man who has been accused of misogyny his work before better than i like the movie on the same subject by a woman i understand how it looks and i don't think that house of darkness does what promising young woman is 
doing better, like it makes its case better or anything like that. Um, it's just, I think, a better movie that happens to overlap in terms of some of the same subject matter. Um, probably didn't need to even go on all that, but who the fuck is listening to this anyway? No one's listening half an hour into this solo movie journal. People, people like this podcast for Tyler more than me anyway. Um, uh, so he'll, uh, I, Tyler, we're going to make sure Tyler comes back. Um, uh, as, as, as soon as he is, he is able. Um, all right, just two more movies. Um, yeah, next up, uh, George Miller's 3000 years of longing. Uh, I thought it was a delight. I really loved it. It's, um, it's really playful and fun. Uh, speaking of problematic directors, it kind of reminded me of something like the adventures of Baron Munchausen. Uh, but it, um, it, it has a, I think a deeper sense of, I was almost going to say longing, but I remember that's in the title. Um, uh, yearning maybe, I don't know. It has the sense of, it's a very colorful, sometimes very, um, Baroque, sometimes very beautiful, sometimes kind of grotesque, um, and fantastical. I think I already said colorful, but I'll say it again, colorful, bright, funny movie. Um, but there's a loneliness and a sadness at its core. Uh, Tilda Swinton plays a, a, a woman, an academic who is, um, uh, abroad and I've already forgotten, um, Istanbul. Uh, she's in Istanbul for like a conference and she buys a little knickknack at a, at a, at a bazaar and, um, uh, turns out it's a genie, um, lamp and, and the genie comes out and it's Idris Elba and he tells, she's skeptical about the wishing thing. So he tells her this, basically the story of his life as a, as a gin. Um, uh, and so we see lots of flashbacks and so the, the, main framing device is just Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba alone in a hotel room in Istanbul. But, um, it fleshes that out as well. Then it's not just a framing device. They do, um, they are real characters in, in the movie. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think you'd be, um, uh, foolish to skip this movie. It's, uh, it's so fun and it's so <laughs> Harry Styles style. It's like a movie, you know? Uh, all right, last movie I will mention. Another documentary that relies mostly on archival footage. Um, Sierra Pettengill's Riotsville, USA. Um, this uh, is a documentary that is, I guess, superficially, not superficially, but like at the at, the, at its core, it's about the fact that in the 60s when there was a, a, a big burst in counterculture and demonstrations and protests and riots in the US the US government built at a couple of different military bases multiple like towns to train cops and military um, to handle rioters um, and that's like uh it's scary that like and, and it's it's sad that um the the to see that this is who we are as a nation that we see 
these kind of like legitimate social problems and are all, the only response we can think of is how do we figure out how to stamp it out with force um but it's also weirdly like bitterly funny because you've got the members of the military playing the rioters and so they just like um uh they're just yelling about it. they clearly don't understand what the um what the arguments are um uh and, and it's just sort of like just vague shouting and and uh subordination um but the movie goes beyond beyond that to to actually demonstrate how you know these the what the riots were that led to this and then how this sort of training was used especially in like 1968 in in both uh the the um, Republican convention in Florida, uh, which gets a lot less press, but also had had some violence um, uh, and uh, p- potentially some even more troubling uh, forms of violence on the part of the uh, the authorities, the the oppressors. Uh-huh.